Hello and welcome to the Bliss Bean Show. I'm your host, Patrice, and on this podcast, we talk about how to design intentional days, create meaningful work, and get more out of life. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to my friend, Christina. Christina and I met on Instagram as I feel like more and more of my friendships these days are forming through Instagram. But we first met in person in November 2020. All I remember was that it was so, so cold. Um, Basically, she had reached out to me to say that she had just moved to Wisconsin. She was interested in photography and modeling and what I want to hang out. And I was like, absolutely, I need more friends. So we met up and we just had the longest conversation. I remember... First of all, it was so cold, so we couldn't stay outside that long. Literally, the wind, the freezing wind was blowing away the food that we were eating. So we went to the parking garage that we had parked in um, to continue talking. We each sat in our car because, like, pandemic, social distancing. We parked our cars next to each other, and then we talked that way. We talked for hours, and I drive my family's electric car, so I didn't even notice that like my battery was going down because I was using the heating while talking to her. I barely made it home. I nearly used up my entire battery because we had such a good time talking. So on this episode, I wanted to invite her on the podcast to just talk about all things creativity, like planning photo shoots, creative direction, dealing with creative burnout, so many of the things that she said in this episode I was like yes I 100% agree I just feel like we're on the same wavelength for a lot of topics so it was amazing to talk to her um for some background to maybe some of you newer listeners slash viewers who might be confused why I'm doing a podcast episode that is mainly about photography photography has actually been a really big part of my life Not so much anymore, now I just shoot photos for Instagram pretty much, which I definitely enjoy, but I took photography classes in high school. I did a lot of freelance photography work. Um, One of my most popular videos is how I started a photography business as a teenager, so I did a lot of senior portraiture, um, also just a lot of creative photo shoots, self-portrait shoots, photo shoots with friends to experiment with different concepts, etc. Honestly, recording this episode, I was so excited to talk about this and it actually made me want to get back into photography. Like, I'm living in such a beautiful place now. I just want to get a friend, grab my camera and go out into the hills and like at sunset, do some sort of a creative photo shoot. So hopefully this episode also gives you that inspirational vibe and makes you want to go and do a creative project of your own. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the Voice Bean Show. Today I finally have a guest for the first time in forever. Today I'm talking to my friend Christina. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm honored. The Bliss Bean is <laughs> amazing. We love it. I'd love for you to start by introducing yourself. So do you want to tell the audience where you're from, what you do, etc.? Sure. Okay, so I'm Christina, Christina Mathis. Um, I'm actually from Georgia. I moved up to Wisconsin um, just to kind of have a different change of pace and everything like that. But pretty much I model. I like to creative direct along with that as well. Um, I dabble in anything creative, honestly, and that's what I like to do. And that's exactly what this episode is going to be about. So the first question for you, this sounds so official, the first question (laughs) is I want to ask you about how your creative process starts. So when you're coming up with the idea for a photo shoot or something like that, where do you find that like initial idea that you want to focus on and then like expand your concept from? So pretty much it starts with something very simple. It can be a color, it can be a feeling. Even when I'm writing music, I dabble in that too. Like I'll just press a key on the piano. Um, Sometimes like if I'm going thrifting, I might see a piece of furniture or just an item. Um, I live on Instagram. I know a lot of people use Pinterest for the same exact purpose, but I'll come across a post that just has a very simple idea behind it or even a really complex one. And I'll just take an element from it um, and kind of just put my spin on it. Um, The whole thing with creative direction is you have to kind of one, let go of the fact that you're piggybacking off of someone. That's kind of the biggest thing. It's not about being extremely original. It's because your originality comes from your perspective. So as long as you are confident in your perspective and kind of who you are and what you offer, you can take any element from anything and turn it into something new. So that's kind of where I start. 
Yeah, uh, there's this book. Have you ever heard of it? It's called, I think, Steal Like an Artist. No. It talks about how, yeah, you can't, like, really come up with completely original ideas. All anyone does is they steal from other people. But, like, you got to do it like an artist. So you can't just completely copy someone. But that's the only way to create something new is to kind of borrow ideas from other places. So I wanted to ask you, is there any way that you like to like save ideas that you like? Do you use a Pinterest board or like the Instagram saved thing or any other sort of method? Yeah, so I'm a little ashamed to say this, but I don't use Pinterest. I feel like I should. I've tried oh. to get into I know, I know. I've tried to get into it lately because I know it's a really good tool, but I literally use Instagram. I have like all my different folders. Uh, I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head. I love monochromatic ideas. So I have a monochromatic one. Mm. I have one where I'll see ideas that are a bit more practical for me personally to be able to accomplish. Um, I have like an aspirations one where it's, mm. you know, if I, for whatever reason, have a budget or whatever, um, you know, that could be something I do. Yeah, I have all types of just different folders with different either concepts or like specific levels of difficulty to do. Um, and that's kind of how I organize my ideas, specifically on Instagram. I'm on Pinterest now, though. Um, <laughs> I, I, once again, I'm ashamed. I just never hopped on that train for whatever reason. But it's great. But Instagram is my main my main thing that I use. Instagram is nice and simple. Pinterest, yeah. I feel like, especially over the years, has gotten more and more complicated. So I totally understand. Yeah. Speaking totally. of monochromatic, I saw your styling monochromatic outfits YouTube video. Maybe we can link that <laughs> in the show notes. <laughs> Love it. Have you ever done any sort of photography challenges? Like one genre of YouTube video that I've liked to watch in the past. There's this channel called Mango Street Photography, for example. And they would do things like they would go to an art store and like find cheap props and then try to do something creative with that. Have you ever sort of designed a challenge for yourself like that that's how every photo shoot happens <laughs> <laughs> I proudly you know exclaim that I'm broke I am poor so you know that's pretty much every photo shoot I know some of the things that uh, we were kind of chatting about before was trying to make things on a budget but make them look expensive I I thought you were going to say um, the photography challenge where it's one model and, like, seven photographers. Love that, too. I don't know if you've seen that before. Oh, I love that no, those, That's what I thought you were going <laughs> to say. Classic. Those are so cool. Um, that's kind of going back to what I was saying, too, about perspective. Like, they're literally same person, same outfit, same makeup look, and they just make mm-hmm. it look completely different. But, yeah, that's kind of how every photo shoot goes. If I have an idea, I either have to thrift everything or um try and figure out a way so you know go to Joanne's or Michael's or whatever and just see what I can either make or come up with um just from what's in the store so that is the challenge every time (laughs) (laughs) yes what would you say this is a question I wrote down on like the topic of making things look expensive on a budget what do you think is your most successful example of that that you were the most proud of like wow this looks really really professional but like no one would know that I actually did it with this and this Okay, so I think, that's hard. I think if I had to pick one, it would be on my Instagram. It was like my Valentine's Day post for this year. It wasn't pink or anything, but I I hung up like, what's the word? It had, it's fabric and it kind of had had luster to it had a little bit of shine on it and I like hung it from the ceiling (laughs) and that was the background and I like covered a stool and more of it and I like glued pearls to my face and everything like that Mm. pretty simple setup but like I don't think it was blatantly obvious that it was shot in a living room I think that Mm -hmm. one came out pretty nicely hold on let me let me look at my Instagram honestly that, that one probably, I would say, was the most successfully expensive-esque thing. Um, that was back when I was, when I had a photographer to work with. Oh, yeah, a lot of my stuff that looks expensive, I'm just hanging stuff from the ceiling. Like, I have another one where I have, like, flowers hanging from the ceiling. Um, mm-hmm. I did, like, a candy kind of theme one where I literally hung, like, this really extravagant-looking red. Um, that one also had some luster to it, too, but this kind of, like... 
shiny red fabric from the ceiling and I just had like my head poking out of it. Every every single thing, even, like whether it was this Instagram or some of the ones I've archived at this point, everything I've pretty much shot a lot of the time is in somebody's living room or like a room or something and I just have to kind of yeah. make it work. I love that. Yeah, I remember sometimes I would like to do like um, self-portrait shoots and yeah, it was always like in my bedroom or in the basement. I did a photo shoot with someone where we wanted, actually it was like a monochromatic photo shoot now that I think of it. We wanted to do a yellow theme, so she like dressed up in a yellow outfit and she had yellow makeup and I hung up a yellow background. And the background, like I built a frame out of PVC pipe and then I hung yellow, like yellow paper for bulletin boards. But if you just like don't see that around it is basement, then it looks really cool. So I always recommend to people, like if you want to, try new things with photography like literally just look at what you have in your bedroom and you can figure something out literally it's really that simple honestly because renting mm -hmm. studios we don't do that here <laughs> if i yes. had the money to do it i absolutely would like this is not completely by choice i would love to have just endless funds to just be as creative or not creative as i want to be but yeah that's that's hard mm -hmm. one question i wanted to ask you was when you get like when you get to the photo shoot or like get to the living room to start taking photos <laughs> do you usually like stick exactly to the plan that you had in mind or is there a lot of improvisation that goes on so I have had the pleasure of being friends with most of the people I take pictures with so I do kind of have the advantage of being comfortable telling them like no this sucks do it over again <laughs> mm. but I think I've had one photo shoot maybe two photo shoots ever where it came out pretty much exactly how I wanted it to. Um, one of them was just a very easy concept and it was hard not for it not to come out how I wanted it to. But, you know, I've had several where I'm shooting outside. So, yeah, like if I'm shooting outside and the photo kind of depends on the wind to be blowing, that doesn't <laughs> go as according to plan all the time. Um, yeah, no, I think I've had maybe, I'll say two to three pictures that came out exactly how I wanted them to because they were either so simple or I sat there and I'm a little bit of a control freak especially now that I know how to edit things like I know I now know how to edit photos and videos so like I kind of just do it myself because <laughs> a lot of the uh the vibes I want in a picture can be captured th through editing I just kind of need the general vibe to be captured on the camera and then I can add whatever um extra emotion or whatever I want to in the in post um, so yeah, that helps a lot to kind of know to be versatile and to be well-rounded with your skill set because that way you um, can kind of either overcompensate or just account for not being able to capture that perfect shot on the camera and kind of add whatever extra detail you need to in the end. But yeah, maybe one or two pictures came out how I wanted them to. Everything else <laughs> um, is kind of just like, okay, this is not going to stay on the ceiling. <laughs> how can we... <laughs> How can we adjust? Um, literally, just to give you an example, yeah, some of my fabrics are, like, too heavy to be tacked to the ceiling unless we stood there and, like, put a billion tacks in it. So I'm like, okay, oh, we have a, a mic stand in here. Let's just drape it over and use that. So there have just been several um, uh, different very life hack ways of, of getting the shot that I want for sure. Or just accepting that I'm not going to get the shot that I want. Like, yeah, I've also redone photo shoots a lot. Um, both because of me or because of whoever I'm working with. I'm typically friends with perfectionists as well. And, you know, they take pride in their end looking a certain way as well. So, yeah, I've definitely, either one of us has been like, yeah, no, this is garbage. Even if I like it, they might not. Or if they like it, I might not. You have to communicate that. You have to tell them, like, this is not, you know, up to par of what I wanted uh, for this to come out like. But, yeah, it rarely comes out how I want. But I think all the little happy accidents and just... Pushing myself to be practical but creative at the same time has definitely created some cool content that I'm pretty proud of. I think the perfectionists usually end up finding each other and becoming friends. <laughs> they understand one another. Um, I also think that's a good point to bring up that shooting outside and shooting indoors is very different. Like shooting indoors, you'll also run into problems. But shooting outside, like, the weather, the cloud cover, everything is so unpredictable. So you really have to be ready to just, like, move to a different location. 
Um, I think that was something that I learned from doing senior portrait photography, especially because like, and you're working with people who just like want their senior portrait done, you know, like they're not there for their creative process. So they just want you to like figure something out quick if something doesn't work out. One thing you mentioned was that you have learned how to edit photos and edit videos. And so you like to like adjust the atmosphere and the mood of whatever you've shot in post. Are there any specific edits that you like to make? Like, do you like to work in Lightroom or Photoshop or what program? And what is it that you usually adjust? What's your editing style? Okay, that is a great question. First of all, yeah, Lightroom. And I don't know how to use Photoshop. I feel like if I did know how to use Photoshop, I would just just lose everything and just go crazy with it. Like, Photoshop has so <laughs> many possibilities. I have no idea how to use Photoshop. Uh, yeah, Lightroom, um, and then for video, oh god, what is it called? Final Cut Pro, there it is. Oh. I use Premiere Rush on my iPad, I don't know if I like it. I feel like Final Cut Pro has more. Uh, you can pay for, like, the Premiere Rush, um, Pro, I don't know what the actual paid version of that is, but you can pay, and I don't know how similar those features are to Final Cut Pro. I learned how to edit video on Final Cut Pro. I like it. I feel, I think that one has all the, like, classic YouTube-y <laughs> things you can do, um, but yeah, as far as my editing style goes, Something, this is going to sound off topic, I, pr I promise it relates back, but something I like a lot about both psychology and marketing specifically, it's someone's job to curate a grocery store so that like you buy specific things or you buy more than you wanted to. So everything about how things are laid out and everything about how things look, whether it's in marketing or even like psychology offices or whatever, um, like that psychological component of consumerism and um, and that type of stuff is curated to elicit a certain emotion. And so as far as my editing style goes, I kind of take a page from that. I just edit however I want, uh, for whatever emotion I want people to feel mm -hmm. when they look at my stuff. I, I try to use that, you know, when I'm editing photos or video or, you know, if I'm helping somebody with their website or whatever, like the first thing I ask is how do you want that your audience to feel when they're looking at this so I I don't know if I have an editing style per se I think I do like brighter things I've noticed we did like a, a graduation shoot and I immediately went to the more like bright um maybe a little bit flatter looking um summery type of vibe I know some people have like a whole wedding category where it's just like strictly fall editing and that type of thing so I do like a brighter picture for sure but yeah like there's a picture on my page where it's around October spooky season and I just let that black and the shadow come through so I try not to limit myself to a specific style I'm sure I have a style I just don't know I, I do like a brighter picture but I also try to like let whatever emotion I want to speak through more so than sticking to a specific aesthetic recently in our photography class we were learning about some of the like exposure and the color temperature and our professor was talking about how like the if it's a cooler temperature then it gives off kind of a more I don't know like you'd use it in a in a thriller movie it's kind of cold and danger feeling and then warm is just more happy and bright and I was like yeah I think I always edit my photos very warm like I'm always boosting the temperature up especially if you do a photo shoot if it's cloudy and then it's like, no problem, I can just boost the temperature in editing and no one will be able to know. I love that. 100%. And plus, I'm a very warm-toned person. My skin tone, yellow. Mm. Yellow. Like, <laughs> yellow. And I, I feel like I'm always adding, yeah, extra warmth in the temperature. And then when you can actually pinpoint certain colors, I feel like I'm always upping the reds and yellows and oranges in my pictures, mm. too. So, yeah. Bright and orange. That's how, I guess that's my editing style is <laughs> bright and orange. <laughs> Are there any specific photographers who you admire? Um, like, who do you follow on Instagram? Is it for the way that they shoot, like the concepts they come up with, or their editing style? Anyone inspire you in particular? 
So, when I was back in college, my friend, I'll never forget it, I was just waiting at the bus stop and one of my modeling friends saw me and she was like, oh my god, you're trying to do like a little in-room studio so you can take pictures, you should follow Kimberly on Instagram. She's like the perfect embodiment of what I like to do. She literally takes all her pictures, I think she's living in her parents' house, I believe. I don't think that house is like her space alone. Uh, I think she just like uses either their guest room or like their backyard every now and then I think she I, I think she lives in California so she has access to like a lot of like sandy deserty area too but yeah she just uses her parents guest room and just goes crazy with the sets like it's ridiculous she'll like I don't know how she gets her camera up there but she'll like tack her <laughs> camera to the ceiling she has like a rig that she'll use too to like get those you know above wow. shots and it's all super like she definitely spends money on her stuff but she reuses a lot of sets um all that she made her diy game strong strong like she <laughs> i'm trying to think of a cool one she did like maybe it was for valentine's day she took a bunch of cardboard and made like a, a broken heart like had two halves of a broken heart and like just laid in the middle crazy Please, like you should check her out I'm happy I followed her, uh, like, right before she got verified. I, I get to be a, an original an original follower. She had a bunch of followers when I followed her, but so cool. Like, she kind of embodies the level of creative direction that I personally want to reach because she has that ball-on-a-budget type of, type of vibe. But they look mm-hmm. so cool. The sets are incredible, and she's beautiful. I hope she, like, yeah. she's getting recognition now, but I hope she gets, like, way more. We'll send a few more people her way from this podcast episode. What would be your, like, dream creative direction project? Would it be something like a fashion campaign or a makeup shoot, like a home home design? Any? What would be your dream project, basically? Okay, while well, you're asking me to, like, set aside my <laughs> imposter syndrome right now and, like, think big. Um, honestly... If I was presented with the opportunity to, like, head a magazine shoot, whether... I don't know if I would do one for makeup. Maybe just clothing specifically. I'm trying to broaden my my understanding of everything, like, with product, photography. Like, I try to study everything, but I think my favorite is, yeah, fashion. If I could just you know Vogue called me honestly I do like directing video too so if even if it was just like a video shoot where they were just kind of doing like a fun commercial you know how they do for the Met Gala you know whatever stuff like that Mm -hmm. um yeah I would definitely do it I would love that 100% I would also prefer (laughs) to be the model in the magazine too (laughs) run the photo shoot and it be me (laughs) yes I'll I'll do it Vogue but you have to let me do everything (laughs) exactly that's the dream I would love to do everything 100% are there any specific resources that you found helpful to learn about these things, like um, photography, the editing process, filming? Is it more like you kind of just search up tutorials as you need them, or is there any sort of like big course that helped you, anything like that? So, once again, I'm super lucky. This is why networking and like taking pride in who you have around you is very important. I've just had people teach me things. Like, my photography friend who took most of the pictures on my Instagram, like, he sat down and showed me how to use Lightroom, showed me how to use Final Cut Pro. Mm -hmm. Of course, if I forgot something, yeah. YouTube's a great resource. Um, As far as courses, I unfortunately have found that college does open a lot of opportunity for learning because you can just take classes Mm -hmm. just because you want to um I didn't take any photography classes but I took an intro to acting class I had friends who were in photography classes and I got to you know see what they were doing because I would just model for their assignment like I think yeah I was my friend's uh senior project that was some of my first time uh behind I'm sorry in front of the camera and it was really cool to see like that was my first time really stepping into a real studio even though it was the college one I got to kind of see him play with the flash and you know I mm-hmm. I also never be afraid to ask questions like that's a big thing because you might not have access to classes or you know YouTube might be a little overwhelming so if you are in an environment or even if you just see somebody on the side of the street taking pictures like don't be afraid to ask them questions I'm sure they would love to talk about what they're doing 
it's very rare when you know you just get asked about what you're passionate about and when you do mm-hmm. get that question you get to go crazy if that person's generally there to listen so yeah asking questions is the biggest thing which sounds so yes. cliche but it really is helpful um yeah just don't be afraid ask questions that's how I've gotten into everything I just made a phone call or asked a question or um I just always adjusted a little bit of what I'm doing so that I end up where I want to be so yeah but YouTube YouTube is great if I had to pick one yes. YouTube is is a magical place no asking questions is great advice and also just like um never assuming that you can't do something if that makes sense like you always need to ask so the specific experience I'm thinking of was um I was doing senior portraits for someone who wanted a little bit more of a creative concept and so she wanted to like go to a record store I suggested maybe we could try going to a plant shop and I emailed these places and I really thought that they would ask me to pay like I was really expecting that because like Probably I'd get in the way of some customers that are there. It's a little bit annoying. I'm not going to buy plants just because I went there to do a photo shoot. But amazingly, everyone was so accommodating. They were like, yeah, feel free to come in. Like, what time works for you? Um, Some of them, I remember we went to the record store and this guy was like, let me know if you need me to move any boxes for you. People are so nice. And like, you can never assume Um, You can never assume anything that someone, like, won't be willing to let you ask questions, let you shoot at their place, anything like that. So just go for it and ask and see. Yeah, that's something I found a lot um, when I was trying to just get my feet wet in modeling. That's literally how I got started. Like, I, I want to make a video about this specifically because people don't understand, like, social media rules the world right now. It will probably rule the world for the next probably 50 or plus years um unless we completely change how we socialize which I don't I doubt it um and yeah I would literally call boutiques call boutiques even whether they had a chain or not and be like hey I see you have a bunch of random girls on your Instagram can I be one and they're like absolutely like sometimes I didn't even need to bring my own photographer like they had it ready to go I didn't have to buy any clothes it worked out great. And, you know, if you work with them enough, then they're like, hey, you're kind of good at what you do. We have a lookbook coming. You, do you want to be in it? And there you go. You get paid. Or, you know, I had a whole plan to, like, figure out a way to, um, uh, you know, work my way up into certain things. Like, for example, they get their clothing from, I forget what it's called, but it's pretty much just a huge convention where you just, where designers and and fabric people just display their stuff, they need models for that. My friend was going to start a business and specifically uh, send models there. Like, there's just, the the world is huge. Social media is bigger. And literally, everybody needs something. Everyone needs something. You just have to figure out where you fit into that. And you don't even have to figure that out. Just call and ask if you, if they need you. And nine times out of ten the answer is sure sitting in in classes too is another thing like sitting on an art class or yeah watch once again youtube is a magical place um but networking is is very important yeah you cannot be afraid to put yourself out there i know it's scary i did not enjoy calling those boutiques i was not (laughs) i i don't know if you enjoyed calling those uh those stores and asking it's not something i enjoy but because yeah the answer could always be no and no is the scariest thing ever But a lot of the time, people are willing, honestly, especially if you're not asking for anything. I remember I had that specific plan store in mind, and then just one day, I was downtown with my family, and we walked right past it, and I was like, I don't like doing this, but it's right there. I should just go in, and I should ask. Like, in person is always the best way to do it, so I went in. I was like, hi, I'm a photographer, and I'm doing senior portraits, <laughs> and they were so nice. They, she gave me um, the like email address of her manager, and then they, they were like, you might want to shoot in our other store, which is bigger, and it went so much better than I thought it would. This was something that we talked about. Um, so I work with this girl named Maya, and she did a workshop for uh, a workshop about freelancing, and one of the things she talked about was the importance of networking. She does, like, freelance video editing and graphic design and things like that. I think she said that, like, from her first client, 
she got the rest of her clients. Like from that first client, all of the connections led to literally everyone else she has worked with. It's just amazing how once you make one connection, others just keep appearing and appearing. And it's like a tree growing with the branches. 100%. And that's like how marketing works too. A lot of creative direction and kind of figuring out how to fit in a place. You know, my... I had a friend who was trying to start a photography business and all of my questions were, okay, yeah, how do you want people to feel when they come across your content or your website or whatever? Mm -hmm. Um, And when you're trying to call to get clients for something, a big thing that people also need to understand is you're trying to fit their need. Yes, you offer a specific thing or a specific style or whatever, but your job Mm -hmm. is to yeah ask questions but also figure out what they need and see if you either fit that need or see if you're willing to fit that need. Um, and creative direction works the same way because a lot of creative direction, see, I get to creative direct for myself. I don't mm-hmm. always, I've created directed, creatively directed, I guess, for <laughs> things that um, weren't me specific. Like back in school, we had um, an on-campus agency, modeling agency, and I got to creative direct some things for that. Um, there, you know, being able to communicate your ideas is very important. You know, people can't help you if you can't verbalize what, (laughs) what you want something to look like. Um, but yeah, asking for locations and things like that and using those networks and, you know, not burning bridges and, uh, keeping in contact with people. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard because it involves you to jump out your shell and just be able to, you know ask for what you need that's a very tough skill that people kind of it's easier said than done yeah people forget that it's necessary for anything like you might want to be a graphic designer but that doesn't mean that your entire job is going to be sitting behind a computer it's also going to be a lot of reaching out to people and dealing with people so even if it's unpleasant you know that you have to do it because you love the rest of it I wanted to move on to talking with you about creative burnout. So have you ever experienced creative burnout in your uh, creative pursuits? All the time. (laughs) Currently (laughs) experiencing it. Yeah. um, Okay. So creative burnout sucks because in order to be creative, you kind of have to want to be creative. And burnout can manifest itself in so many ways. So many ways. It can just be you're tired and don't feel like it. It can be some kind of block where you want to be creative and you just cannot think of anything. Um, it can be imposter syndrome where you feel like you're you know, relying too much on something. Like, I had a period of time where I'm like, I use Instagram as a crutch. Like, I, yes, you know, I'm making it my own, but I feel like I'm just blatantly taking this person's picture and just, like, doing a cheaper version of it, and I don't feel good doing that. Like, there's just so many different ways that that can manifest itself. And what I've found is... Creativity, I feel like people put a lot of pressure on themselves, want to be creative at all and to be original, but also to stick to one thing. Um, and I, I've seen a couple of YouTubers mention this, but when you're trying to figure out what your style is, or even after you have a style or whatever phase you're at, you don't have to stick to one thing. Um, and that kind of allows your creativity to stay fresh. So for me, what that looks like is my main mode of creativity is, is fashion. I like messing with clothes, you know, when I have time or, you know, trying to model as much as possible or whatever. Um, and even just scrolling through Instagram, like I said, and trying to find my, my next inspiration. But, you know, I haven't been doing that a lot lately. You know, adulting is hard. (laughs) Adulting is, is a fun, is a fun way to have a creative burnout for sure. Um, what I found is, okay, if I don't have the time or the energy to go out, find a location, so, you know, charge all my stuff, bring it, carry whatever props I need, be in public and doing a random thing. If I don't have the energy to do all that, I've realized I have a million other ways that I can still be creative. So I'm not just blatantly laying in my bed, hating myself for not creating something. Um, for example, like, I also love interior design, even if that means I'm moving my bed around to kind of, you know, affect whatever, or I, you know, go to the thrift store and see if there is something I can add to my room, or a certain throw pillow I can add, or whatever, like, I let my creativity kind of speak wherever I want it to, I have, you know, games I play that keep me creative, whether it's interior design games, or fashion games, or whatever, 
Um, let's see what else. You know, I draw a little bit. Like I said, I, I write music a little bit too. So I kind of just hop skip wherever I want to. Like yeah. if I feel overwhelmed in fashion, I might go to my friend's house and paint something. So there are so many different ways to be creative. I know some people will like lock themselves in a room and just scribble and on paper until, you know, and just see what comes <laughs> out. There are different ways to, to keep yourself creative, but I think the biggest way to tackle creative burnout, because all creative burnout is, is pressure, is internalized pressure that you're kind of putting on yourself to create and to, to make a tangible product. That's all creative mm-hmm. burnout is, and you can't, you can't work under, under pressure like that, at least not pressure from yourself, because the world's going to add all the pressure that, that you need <laughs> to, to get things done. So when it's pressure from yourself, that's typically where creative burnout comes from. So you have to understand how that looks for you, and then kind of find a way to remove that pressure from yourself, because all it does is create imposter syndrome, and you're not going to create anything anyway. So yeah, for me, I just find something else to do. I don't feel there's high stakes in painting something I'm the only one who's gonna see it yeah or you know if I buy a new throw pillow that's a very harmless thing but it's it's still me being creative there's a billion pillows out there I picked this one for a reason like there's just so many different ways to do it and um as far as making it work for you so for example if I I've had I've been sitting on a photo shoot idea and I just could I can't bring myself to do it it requires me to carry something a little heavy Mm -hmm. to a public place I never remember which way the sun goes at that specific place, meaning I'd probably have to get up early to do it. I don't feel like doing that. Um, I, yeah, I just, it's just all these moving parts that I don't feel like doing. And so the way to make creative burnout work for you is kind of accepting, one, whatever you create is not going to be what you want it to be. It might be better, it might be worse, but there's always a chance that it just, it might be something different that works. So a lot of my photo shoots too have just been like, all right, I feel like taking pictures today. Don't know what it's going to be. I'm going to go to this very simple place and I'm just going to do whatever. And a lot of the times those are my best pictures. So the way, so long story short, the way to make creative burnout work for you is to just pick a random thing. It doesn't even have to be the thing that's causing you stress. Just pick a thing, make it, and it might inspire your next big thing. I think you really have to get okay with just making like bad art. I hated some of the photo shoots that I did, but I was like, you know what? It's not always going to be good. And some of them turned out way better than I thought it would. And like the joy that you get from those just kind of powers you through the ones that don't work out. It's like you you can't look at it just on a project by project basis. You kind of have to look at the big picture. Like if you enjoy photography, that's awesome. That's fine that that one project did not work out. Probably the next one is going to work out. You just got to stick with it. It's so funny because the the biggest cliche of them all is art and beauty are subjective. But like we're sitting here saying you have to make bad art. Even going to the High Museum of Art and just seeing what people find to be art. I'm like, okay, good for you guys. (laughs) I'm glad you guys like that. Yeah, so, you know, you, yeah, I completely agree with that. You have to be comfortable making what your definition of bad art is because somebody Mm -hmm. out there will probably like it for one. And two, it gives you a tangible thing that you can use as a stepping stone as well. Whether it's bad art or something, like I said, completely unrelated to what you wanted to do, everything can be seen as a stepping stone if you're willing to look at it that way, for sure. Some of the photo shoots that I hated, how they turned out, if they were senior portrait shoots, I'd just be like, well, I can't get this to look any better. I have to send them. And then the person's like, oh my goodness, I love them. They're so much better than I could have imagined. And I'm just like... Okay, if you like them, I guess. (laughs) No, literally. And like, that is such a great scenario too, because you made somebody else happy with something you Mm -hmm. thought was god awful. But now you kind of, if you're willing to analyze why you don't like it, that's another thing you got to sit in your, got to sit in your, your mess for a second too, especially when it Mm -hmm. comes to being creative and just really anything. You have to be comfortable sitting in your mess because if you don't, you're never going to know why you don't like it or what you can improve on or any of that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I just want to throw in one more example for people that are listening. I, I think Amanda Rachley, um, she does videos about like bullet journaling and doodling and things like that. And I believe if I remember correctly, and I don't remember where she talked about this, so I can't like link a specific video, but that she went to like an art high school and she felt like she was 
like not one of the better artists at the school and like look at her now like she's made a super successful career doing her style of art and I think what you said about like going to museums and seeing that people do appreciate different styles of art is really important because like yeah her art is not the kind of art that's like you look at it and you think whoa that's exactly what it looks like in real life you know it's not that kind of art but it's beautiful and people love it and what she does brings a lot of joy to people's lives so like you never know how other people will see the thing that you're creating they're probably going to view it more positively than you do yeah and just to sprinkle a little bit on top of that too like I don't love any of my work the way I did when I first saw it I'm always looking at it. I'm always nitpicking it. Like, so you're never really going to be satisfied with your own work. Like, I, I don't think it's in an artist's nature to be satisfied with their work. Like, while you're working on it, I, I could sit at a computer. Like, me and my friend, when we were editing, we had a rule. Like, okay, if we're moving stuff by, like, the tiniest degree and we're sitting here for, like, an extra 10, 15 minutes when we know it's not going to get any better, just don't touch it. Cause the, you yeah. know, cause like the more you mess with it, cause that you have to kind of find that balance of like, okay, I hate this picture. Yes, it made the client happy, but I hate it. What can I do to improve? There's only so much you can adjust before it starts going the other way and gets worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was editing a set of photos, I had the rule for myself that I I had to edit in at least two sessions. Like I had to take a break before sending it. Even if it was just like 15 photos and very simple, very simple to edit. I feel like looking at the computer screen for a long time, it like distorts everything and your brain gets tired. You just need to step away and take a break and then you come back with it to it with fresh eyes and it looks totally different. Totally, 100%. I do that for sure. Oh, also for editing YouTube videos too. Because I... (laughs) If you don't back up, if you don't step away, you'll be there all day. All day and all night. I also will send things to, like, whether it's art friends or not, I just send things to a friend. I'm like, hey, does this look to whatever? Like, is this an okay picture? And nine times out of ten, they're like, yeah, this looks great. To me, I think I added, like, way too (laughs) much saturation. It's going, wait. And see, now I look at it, and I'm like, I probably could have added more. So, like, you're never going to be satisfied. So kind of understanding that and understanding how to sift through that so that you're still creating and you're still, you know, appreciative of the phase you're in with your art and your creation, that's super important. But good for her. I'm going to have to check her out. I'm very curious to see what she didn't like about her art and what it looks like now. I know. everything. Everything's going to be in the show notes. She recently, um, uh, she got, like, billboards all over Canada. I th- Maybe not even just Canada, but, like, her, her channel is about bullet journaling, so... YouTube did this campaign with different YouTubers and they like shot this professional photo of her and they were like Amanda Rachel Lee like turned her love for doodling into a career or something like that and she had like these huge billboards in metro stations and in the big like plazas in Canada's big cities and it was I was just so happy for her um she's definitely very inspiring Love that. Yeah, there's another guy who just doodles these like very simplistic geometric monsters and I, I'm like, it, like, he has, like, the big, have you seen him? He, like, he'll wear a full outfit of his doodles, and he has, like, a very thick black marker, and he'll just do these whole walls of, like, little monster doodles. I do think that holding yourself to your own personal standard is also important, but yeah, you have to balance the, the perfectionism with. I would like to meet an artist who's not a perfectionist. I don't believe they exist. Yeah, if someone's listening to this and you're an artist and you're not a perfectionist, please reach out to us. (laughs) One more thing I wanted to ask you for the last question. You talked about um, Lightroom and Final Cut Pro. Do you have any other recommendations for what equipment, software, uh, favorite props, etc. that you use? Okay, so fabric is the easiest thing in terms of a prop because you can do so much with it the clothes are made of fabric obviously so that's kind of my first (laughs) that's my first reason but yeah you can create so many different you know aesthetics with a piece of white sheet or whatever even if you just need like a backdrop for your youtube video like just getting like a nice neutral piece of fabric i i have found that just having fabric lying around changes the game it changes the game um so as far as editing um I think if you're a beginner to take that you know to understand that and move accordingly like if I didn't know how to use Final Cut Pro see I learned how to use Final Cut Pro first so I've kind of learned you know 
the some of the higher up. So when I had to go back down <laughs> to the the more easier to use things, I personally didn't like it. So kind of know mm-hmm. what you like. Um, but yeah, please use those. Like Premiere Premier Rush is is good for what it is. Like it's it's very simple. It gets the job done. I know some people even use iMovie. Like this mm-hmm. is kind of a tangent to your question. Um, I also had to accept that I, you're not always going to have the right equipment. Like, I don't have a camera. Mm-hmm. I'm using my iPhone, and some people don't even have that. And you kind of have to just look at yourself in the mirror and not make excuses anymore. I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I can still film a YouTube video without a pretty camera. I can still take pictures without, you know, a nice camera. Um, and just and make it happen. Don't be afraid to use what you already have and just learn. Because nine times out of ten, when you're using what's around you, when you do get the nice stuff, you're going to have so much more of an eye for detail because you mm-hmm. have to work, you know, with those details. Um, but nicer things, I know DaVinci is like a really, like, I think it's better than Final Cut Pro because you can edit higher, um, higher quality video. Like, I think Final mm-hmm. Cut Pro only does, like, 4K, I think, is the highest, and then DaVinci does, like, 6K and up. As far as cameras, I don't know. Like I said, I'm using my iPhone, and I always had friends who uh, have their their camera game strong, so maybe that's where you can assist. But yeah, as far as editing goes, if you're just kind of using your phone or something that's not a computer, Premiere Rush I I did uh, use for a little bit. But yeah, Final Cut Pro is my favorite. It it's just, it has all the stuff that you need. Um, iPhones and just having like a good phone is super underrated. I know people are really trying to push mm-hmm. that more. But your phone is pretty high quality. Obviously, it's not going to catch every single thing a nice camera would. Like, I love the videos where they compare, like, a phone versus a $5,000 camera. Of course, that's going to look better. But, you know, like I said, get comfortable with using what you have because that's all you got. Unless you're willing to specifically wait and, you know, plan everything around when you can acquire more things. I, I think something that would describe my style is also simple elegance. I love keeping things simple. Um, I'm starting to get into maximalism a little bit in terms of like decor and stuff like that But I really do think that there's something to be said about keeping things simple Because once you understand all the details in something simple, then you can start layering on top of that And I think that's how you can really create something really cool Yes, I agree with all of that. I think a lot of people when they want to start out YouTube uh, They think they have to get all this equipment, but like if you have an iPhone you truly can start with that I think one example of like someone I was surprised only used their iPhone was this YouTube channel called Carrie Cakes. She does a lot of YouTube vlogs and like does really well with them and they're all just shot on an iPhone. Like you don't you don't need any fancy cameras because what matters at the end of the day is just like your personality on camera, how you frame the shot, how you edit it. It's fine if it like doesn't look like it's shot from a $5,000 camera. Um, so lastly, where can the people listening find you online? Yes, so I've tried to sync up everything so it's the same. Currently on TikTok, um, YouTube, and Instagram, it's at the Chris model. All lowercase, no punctuation, just the Chris model. And that's me, Christina Mathis. We'll put that on the show notes. It was wonderful, as always, to talk to you. Hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to see, you know, what you learn in class and how you're liking Spain. I love all the content. I'm eating it up. Love it. I hope you're having fun. (laughs) I love this conversation. This was such a fun episode to record. So I want to finish it out with three takeaways. The first takeaway is something I feel like I talk about way too much, but like just the importance of networking. So like I mentioned Um, My virtual assistant, Maya, she once did a freelancing workshop where she talked about how her first freelancing client pretty much introduced her to the rest of the clients that she has worked with. Making connections is so incredibly powerful, and I know it can be intimidating, um, but there are so many different forms of networking. So sometimes it is literally reaching out to maybe a brand and suggesting some ways that you might be able to help them or collaborate with them. Other times, it's just messaging on Instagram similar creators, just asking them to, I don't know, meet up for coffee or a Zoom call or just complimenting their work and seeing if anything, um, if any connection arises out of that. Just any opportunity that you have, even if you are a shy, introverted person like I naturally am, you have to step out of your comfort zone sometimes. Like I said, if you want to 
do photography or you want to do graphic design, you're not going to be doing photography or graphic design 100% of the time. You also have to work on those soft skills of working with people and creating connections. My second takeaway is that it's really important to learn to work with the equipment that you've got. So Christina was talking about how she uses an iPhone for a lot of her shoots for recording YouTube videos. And I also remember that one of the main things I talked about in my photography YouTube video was that I used a Nikon D5200 for a really long time and I kind of wanted to upgrade my equipment. I was just working with that camera and a 50 millimeter f 1.8 lens, a very basic portraiture lens. I wanted to upgrade my equipment, but it's expensive. Obviously camera equipment is so expensive and I knew that I could do more with the camera if I just tried harder basically. And I could really see over the years that my work improved so, so much, even though the equipment was the exact same. It was all in how I used that equipment and then how I edited the photos. So don't feel that you need expensive equipment, that you need to upgrade. When you work with equipment that has some limitations, it really improves your skills so much more because you have to learn to work around that and to be creative. And then when you do have the opportunity to upgrade, you will understand exactly why you're upgrading. Like why will this camera be better than the old one that you had? You'll have that understanding you'll have the skills to actually wield those tools to their full capacity rather than just buying a fancy new camera because it looks fancy and expensive. And finally, I think the last important takeaway was that when it comes to creative activities, you need to take breaks. So Christina talked about how if she's not feeling creative, for example, with photography, then she might do something fashion related or interior design related. And I absolutely relate to that because when I was doing senior portrait photography, sometimes it just would not work. As much as I would love to say like, oh, you just need to get yourself in the editing chair and then it's gonna happen. With creativity, it doesn't always work like that. So what I would do is instead I would work on something else. For example, for every senior portrait client, at the end, I would write them a handwritten thank you note. And that took some time to do. And it's a very like mindless activity. So if I needed to switch my brain off from editing, I would switch to another activity or maybe I would respond to emails or maybe I would plan a shoot. If one thing wasn't working, you just have to switch to something else. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was really nice to have a guest back on the show again. It feels like it has been so long. Um, especially a guest that is a friend of mine and that I've had many conversations with before. I feel like those flow really well. So let me know what you thought of this episode. Do you prefer solo episodes, uh, guest episodes with friends as guests or with like random people that I seek out on the internet? Thanks so much for listening and I'll talk to you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about The Bliss Bean and connect with me on YouTube and Instagram at TheBlissBean and TheBlissBean.com. If you'd like to sign up to receive the show notes in your inbox every Wednesday morning, that's TheBlissBean.com podcast. If you have a listener question, comment, or suggestion, you can send a voice memo to hello at TheBlissBean.com. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.